0: what's up family welcome to another episode of the chip off the old block podcast i am your host cj matthews here with the notorious dr cj matthews aka the chip
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know who really likes that your mama (laughs) she's excited that i'm the old block (laughs) (laughs)
0: I hope I get to uh, make it to
1: old black status one day. Yeah, that's what uh, these elderly gentlemen I used to work with back in the day, and I still remember them all so well because, you know, I used to sit around and pick on those old guys all day, calling them old men, Uh, just all kind of stuff. They were kind to me. They were mentor-type men. And and I laugh now because I said, wow, the one thing they would always tell me, that's all right, boy, just keep on living you going to get there one day. And really, I'm so grateful that I did because, you know, it's real easy in this country as an African-American male not to be doing anything wrong, not to catch any diseases, not to be sick and wind up dead. So I like being old blood. I'm going to dye my hair, though. Maybe I'll dye my mustache. Oh, I ain't got no hair. Okay, whatever. Speaking of hair... <laughs> <laughs> I beat you.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I beat you. <laughs> and I was messed up because I'm like, don't get it cut. Just keep looking like a wheel beast or whatever you look like. And then I'm like, but what about all these people out here in the podcast who don't know you, don't know you crazy, don't know you, none of this crazy stuff. And I'm like, you need to be neat and presentable. Then when I got got in the chair and I was talking to my barber, I told him, I said, no, nah, I don't cut it off. <laughs> No, you, you look good, but, uh, you jump shit. I'm still scoring my cut. Uh, Yeah, I know. That's the other thing I thought about. I said, wow, we're going to be doing a podcast, and CJ, he didn't give me his cut yet. No, uh, it's, it's funny
0: because last time we was here, I was like, oh, no, I'm just not ever getting the cut. Like, I'm just going to ride out. But now I'm like, shoot, I'm going to go ahead and do it. <clears throat> But I don't know if I'm gonna uh, actually go back to the shop. I'm working with, I'm uh, working with my guy, and we're gonna we gonna see. I already got a, you know, I got a chair in my office, so we're gonna see. But you know, it is kind of good to see that these people um, get to resume business because you know um, that's a huge economy. That's a huge, you know, what I'm saying, and it's just, I for, on one on one from one point of view, it's really, you know, I was really happy to see that. A lot of these people in that in that industry, which is one of the largest growing industries, you know, in the world, get to resume business and get to resume to uh to making money.
1: You know, I wish um, and I know that's why I'm the old block, because I believe in black economics. Um, and people ask me all the time, well, why do you believe this about black and that about black? Because nobody has to argue for white economics. Right. <laughs> nobody has to. That argument doesn't have to be made, Um, and so I what we could find a way, since that is such a powerful industry in our community, to recapture the entire industry, not just the service side, but the product side. Um, And a lot of people are
0: actually doing that.
1: The distribution of the products, because, you know, um, if if I know of an African-American company that's producing products that's the place where I'm going to get my products. You know, I may have to retrain because I've been using the same stuff for years. Um, But um, right now, the economic reset we could participate in is major because everybody's fragile now, not just black business or Hispanic business or Korean or or, or the other minority businesses in our community. Um, But everybody's fragile. So now would be a time to create the kind of Robust networking that could that everybody could benefit from because even coming back, the PPE equipment, the supplies they need that are not necessarily a priority of their business. Though, um, I've never been to a barber shop where they weren't sanitizing, right? And I'm you know, I'm 66 years old, and I've been going to barber for years, um, where they weren't cleaning their stuff, or maybe just I had always had good barbers, but um. Uh, and I know some of the people that my mom went to, my my wife went to as far as um, salons and, you know. um, Now, the new sensitivities are necessary, but if they've already been struggling during this lapse of time to earn money, where is this stuff going to come from? I know I've been advocating with some of our governmental sources to, you know, look at some of these resources you guys are providing. And these businesses that can't connect uh, in that normal way and, and see how you can serve them if you're going to put these demands on them. Because that's one of the ways they've been able to hurt smaller businesses historically. Yes. It's just change the regs. Yes. Add more regs. Reg us out of the business. And before you know it, you know, somebody else is serving us in our community. And again, well, like it or don't like it. Take it however you want to take it. Those people should not be... Mining the gold in our community. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, there is wealth in the black community. Um, but we allow, we befriend everybody. We're benevolent people. We befriend everybody. And when people talk like me, then I'm considered radical or something bad. And again, no other community has to, there are certain communities I couldn't go in and survive and set up shop. And I know that's an old argument, but it's the truth.
0: It's a fact. And I think um, to your initial point about, you know, the product and that sort of thing, I think it's going to take um, a level of participation, a level of, of cooperation uh, amongst people in order to achieve uh, that sort of things. where it can't always be about just me, me, me. But if we can come together and we can, you know, together, we can accomplish much more.
1: Well, I know some young barbers um, who are who really have it together, um, and and they're they're smart. Their businesses ran accordingly. Um, they provide very very efficient um, services. Um, their shops are quality, um, and uh, um, so the the I, some of the ideas and imagery of certain industries in our community unfair, get treated unfairly um, always. Uh, the images that, that that's given, like I said, um, I, I know I know several, um, and so, um, but again, it is good that they're able to open back up. Uh, it's good the economy is being able to, to to open back up to some degree, but unfortunately, outside of my barber, anybody getting out of my money because I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> 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 so. I'd like to support everybody but no because I'm not going nowhere I'm not going to the gym I'm not going to the movie I'm not going nowhere but to the grocery store to the church to the place where we do our podcast and uh, what else is it the grocery store uh, and really don't have to go to the bank that much but
0: maybe the bank right uh, I don't trust them. yeah so you know actually they just released the a new list here in Ohio about uh, things that's going to be opening back up uh, and the main the main thing um, from that list which we can get to some of those things the main thing or the main takeaway uh, from this reopening at least here in Ohio and he has been adamant about saying and demonstrating that he wants to be a model for the rest of the country is daycares and I think that's huge and one of the reason why I think that's huge is because I was wondering I'm like okay As you're starting to reopen business, as you're starting to send these people back to work, schools have already been closed for the rest of the year. What do you do with these kids? And I was I was it's kind of like a it's a it's a catch 22 in a sense, because I just felt there was going to be a new generation of kids, you know, not latchkey kids, but Corona kids who were basically in a position where they had to fend for themselves. And I wonder what type of future that looks like but it seems as if, I mean, obviously they they, they have brains, so you can't open a business without offering some sort of solution to child care.
1: I don't trust. Them. <laughs> 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 that the reality is, is that if it's not safe for a child to go to school, it's not safe for a child to go to daycare. That's the reality. I understand the connection but thank God y'all are all grown because <laughs> I would not be sending my kid nowhere.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Right. Um, uh, and, I, and, and, and let me not be so arrogant um, uh, because I did have the benefit um, some of my marriage when, when, when you guys were younger uh, where your mom worked a lot of the time and there was some time when she didn't have to work um, but our children, all you guys were in daycare. care. Um, or some form of care, because um, <laughs> I could hear Dee, Dee saying, now I want to know daycare, because <laughs> 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 we had grandmother and Ruby, but, uh, you know, and so I understand that. Um, and so I, I think that what we have to do is assessments. People have to work, and especially people who are, are either underpaid or not paid at all, or um, working in industries where, you know, it's just, the, it's not a living wage. Um, according to this country. Um, and so we have to be sensitive to those facts. But how do we create something that's just, and, and I know some daycare folk, and they are great. Um, uh, we, we had a daycare of our own, but it's still a gathering place um, for kids, and we still don't know enough about this thing for children. So I think that was, that's a hard one right there for me. Um, because I was already prepared to fight against any kids coming back in the school buildings, because our kids don't have access to digital um, uh, capabilities and technology. They were talking about in the fall phasing in, you know, some kids having to come back to buildings. I'm going like, you know, to send kids who are already the most vulnerable back in these buildings while other kids don't have to worry about that and families don't have to worry about that. Um, so I've been struggling with that. That's a challenge for me. And how I'm going to approach it, and 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 how I'm going to advocate for it, and really trying to balance it between the need of the parent, the need of the child, and ultimately the need of employment for all of us. Because I,
0: you know, I, I I have to be employed right now.
1: I don't have an option.
0: Right. Yeah. It's it's tricky. So, in addition to daycares, gyms is opening back up. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Right, yeah. You you know, your mom and I, we're gym people.
1: Five days a week, we're in the gym. And, uh, matter of fact, I was on a pretty good roll (laughs) before this thing hit. I had made five weeks in a row, five days, started out the year. This is going to be my year to get back in shape so I
0: can hit that golf ball. That's
1: the
0: one that I've been wondering about. (laughs) golf courses although i feel like they've been open they have declared to open back up soon too and i'm like man is there no golf this year i, I don't know like i don't well, know how I, I
1: feel. i've been talking about it's just in the last two days i actually talked to a couple of our golf buddies uh and uh and they've been playing uh but it's very different right now uh, because you can only go one person in the cart uh, so things are backed up more and uh, and, and at least uh, the one course we play has been backed up quite a bit Unless you go on, a, one of our, our members went out on a inclement day, and so he...
0: do on, more backed up? It would seem like it would be less backed up. No. You get to your ball quicker, and it would be less players because it's, everybody got to get their own it's, it's
1: more backed up, and you, you know why it's more backed up? Because I got to ride to my ball by myself, I got to look at my shot by myself, and then I got to measure my shot by myself, and then I got to make my shot. You know how people are. You know me, I go up there and whack it and look for it and whack it again, <laughs>
0: Yeah man, I don't know. I haven't. It's been almost a year since I played, and I'm kind of thirsty. So I don't know. Uh, I think, I think that's one that's really not. You're not really pushing the, the the limits of. of now, as much
1: as I like to play golf, as much as I like to go to the gym, nope. Don't Neither trust was. them. Nope. Gym or golf. Nope, nope, nope. Not right now. I gotta, you know, I gotta see something. I I, I try to, pay attention. Um, Try to be discerning. Um, Certainly want to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit. I haven't heard not one medical person say, hey, y'all, let's go to these places. No, not one medical person. Now, I see the medical people trying to help facilitate a healthy return. So they're going against their first voice to protect the community, which that's admirable. They're not giving in. I'm not saying that. But they are saying, OK, if you're going to do this, here's the better ways to do it. So um, they're adding their voice to the health of the fact that this thing is beyond their control now. But I've I've, I've heard only caution. I've heard only safety and protection from medical people.
0: Yeah. Well, so like I was saying, I was hearing all of this stuff because I was watching uh, our governor, Mike DeWine's uh, weekly or biweekly or however weekly uh, message. And he said something um, really interesting to sort of switch gears. Uh, he, as he was talking about uh, reopening, uh, specifically like daycares and those sort of things, he, he said that, you know, basically, we haven't had to do this before. And he used a key phrase, he said, there is really no playbook. And I think it's really interesting based on something um, that I've thought about, something I think we probably um, talk, talked about before. Because when I think about um, a life in ministry, I always go back because you know the majority of my life has been dedicated to one thing sports um, you know i played football for most of my life and that has consumed most of my life and it's become most of my life my thought my just my everything and, you know there's it's, it's, it's a, a certain regimen, a certain um, routine or a certain playbook that you have to follow you know what i'm saying i know that i got to do this 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 and this and it'll yield this 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 and this and and as, and as I think about it, and as I, you know, continue in, in, in ministry, um, sometimes I feel as though as a pastor or in ministry, there's not exactly a playbook.
1: Yeah. And I, and I know the immediate Christian answer. Hey, y'all
0: Christians uh, it's the Bible, the Bible. Well, well yes. Um, <laughs> it's, the,
1: it's the place of our faith. I didn't think um, it's what we believe in, but when it comes to ministry, um, uh, not in proportion to the pandemic, uh, though some days it may feel like uh, not a pandemic, but <laughs> very challenging. Um, I think that there are playbooks, um, but they're made up of a variety of things. But every person has to come to that place where they've developed their own. Right. You know? um, certainly it, it, is, it flows from the scriptures. Uh, it flows from men and women of God in your life around you who, who have gone through some things and done some things. Uh, you want to be able to, to talk and glean from those who have been successful. But you want people to be transparent enough to hopefully share some of their failures and some of their challenges. Um, in your case, you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm both your dad and your pastor, and I've, I've stood on both the Pentecostal ministry. And then I've had a significant challenge. You know, when you go to jail and you're a pastor or a preacher, that's, uh, and in our case, because of the size of our ministry, that was front page news. Um, so uh, when 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 you look at a playbook, and I could understand Governor DeWine said there is no playbook. Um, I wish there was, and I wish I had seen it for myself because um, some of the things I've been hearing as far as um, we have people in this country who study these types of responses and that's their job and that's what they do. And they have a preparedness uh, manual or playbook for pandemics. Now, I've never seen it, so I can't say how real it is, but they discuss these things. The problem right now is, is that um, our leadership has chosen to allow 50 people to discuss these things. Yeah. Versus sitting down as a nation and understanding that we are not in competition with ourselves. And in this case, we're not even in competition with other countries. We're literally in a place where humanity is at risk. And leadership should rise above any, any personal agendas to say, how do we as a world conquer this? Is there a forum? How do we as a nation conquer this? Is there a forum? Is the Governor's Association together with the President and uh, Congress and Senate or, you know, is there a forum? But yet, no, we have chosen to keep our gloves on and fight. Um, And so I think that the deaths will be curtailed significantly if we were developing this playbook. My prayer is that Governor DeWine is a forerunner that he does develop something that the rest of the nation can look at. And I say that very selfishly because I live in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got family all over the country. and We've got membership all over the country because of our connected platform. Uh, so I'm equally as concerned. We've got folk who live in other countries, both in our family and from our church, other countries uh, from our church. So uh, anyone with any level of God in them would not want China or North Korea or any other nation to, 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 to succumb because of this virus. So um, that's why the church is so important. That's why the prophetic voice is so important. Because sometimes the moral compass uh, of our nation will not uh, point in a healthy direction as long as the prophets are quiet. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think that was the operative word was leadership. And a lot of times, you know, it, it seems or it feels as if uh, there's a lack of of leadership uh, when it comes to these certain things. But to kind of get back to this whole playbook and ministry kind of thing, because um, even even it's like, okay, if I go play around the golf, right? If I shoot even par, I know I shot even par. If I shoot over par, I shoot over par. If I'm I playing a football game, I have seven catches for X amount of yards, this many touchdowns. It's like, I can see the result. But sometimes when you're in this, when you are a pastor, there are times when there are, uh, you can see the outcome. Um, there are times, uh, there, there are, there are things that you can easily point to like, okay, you know, things like, like oh, if membership is growing, oh, if you know, there are certain things that, that are visible. But sometimes it's like you're, 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 you're following God's voice. Um, you're, you're doing the things that he says, and you may or may not be able to see the impact of what it is that you're doing. And sometimes, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that is the flesh, maybe that is vanity, maybe that is vain, but sometimes you want to know that, you know, what you're doing is working.
1: Right. Affirmation and encouragement is a vital part of the human psyche. Um, giving too much, <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll see uh, people who are vain and, and very selfish giving too little. We'll see people who are insecure and yeah. uh, feel rejected. Uh, but given a healthy balance and appropriate times and, and places, um, you see the potential for a mature, secure uh, human being. Um, in the kingdom, uh, God gives us glimpses. All right. And when you appropriate those glimpses, um, whether it's a person's life who was transformed or if it is growth in your ministry or health in your ministry or depth in your ministry, because growth, health, and depth are different. Right. Um, if it's, uh, um, I've never run from the word success. Okay. a uh, lot I know a lot of Christians do. Um, a lot of church people, believers, whatever you want to call yourselves, but I don't run from the word success. Right? I've been extremely successful all of my ministry um, because God gave me something that was so powerful that I would dare not be successful. Okay. When I went to jail, I did so much ministry in jail. It was unbel- I was having so much fun. It was unbelievable. Okay. And as a matter of fact, we were having so much fun. It's the Bible study, exercise, and doing things we were doing chats just like this with groups of guys, um, one guy came up to us one day and cussed us out. <laughs> Basically said, when did so many happy so-and-so people come to jail? You know, we weren't happy because we were in jail, but the joy of the Lord um, gave us a, a place of peace in spite of uh, the situation we were in. Um, but the greatest work that God is going to do, you're not going to see it. Right. Because the greatest work he's going to do is going to be in you, so others will see it.
0: Yeah, but even even that is like you know, because <laughs> I was contemplating this on the other day. So I've been in I've been in ministry for several years now, and it's like, yeah, I know, right? It's like, man, but it's been several years, and it's just like you know, uh, how do you see that growth? You know what I'm saying? It's like you you would. You would like to progress. You would like to grow in certain things. <laughs> like, that's just, that's just the natural, that's just a, or maybe not for all people. That's a natural inclination of my own. I'm speaking personally now. And it's like sometimes, though, it's like, oh, okay. Or maybe am I too close to the elephant to see it, Like as you kind of say, because it's like, I don't know, maybe you can't exactly see. You can't always see yourself. Right, right.
1: Well, I mean, you came in, uh, <laughs> Bishop Tudor Bismarck, uh, 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 great man of God <laughs> and he, we were in a conference together and he was telling us a story and he gave us a principle that I really I, I embrace it you know you hear a lot of stuff people say but I embrace that principle is, is, is that you know your ministry is based on where you come in at what you mean okay yeah. so his family was poor right okay alright and when he was the, the kid and then they discovered uh, jewels, diamonds or something on their property. So they became wealthy. So the younger kids came up in wealth. And, and he, he, he didn't come up, they weren't really poor, but he didn't come up in this kind of wealth. And so he, the principle basically was you come in at a place. So depending upon where you come in at you know, determines your platform and, and what you get to do and where you get to go. So um, I came into success. All right, Uh, my pastor was totally successful, our ministry was successful, so I came in. So I've never known anything but success. I've never known anything but growth and affirmation. Um, Even as we went through the challenges we went through and lost all the stuff we'd lost, um, I never saw it as defeat. I saw it as um, some errant errant judgment, some uh, forces just just coming against uh, the ministry because of its potential, which still exists, which may be manifesting you in the next generation and not me um because it's there and it's it's it's, it's there God gave it, it has nothing to do with us I mean the, the 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 folly of pastoring and ministering is if you think for a second that you have something to do with the success <laughs> right <laughs> the moment you think you have something to do with it you know, God may still use you. See, that's a myth. God doesn't stop using people because whatever. You know, we have all these different radars we put on. God gives a person an assignment, and he knew before they took it what was going to happen. Right. Okay, that, that doesn't make us live irresponsibly. I mean, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, uh, The Cost of the Discipleship, talks about cheap grace. No, we never want to live in that. But at the end of the day, this thing is about God give some people assignments and some people uh through choices things manifest you know uh some people because they're able to multiply gifts and talents so fast and so quickly or learn quick or perceive quickly or move you know just think okay if something happens today and you're prepared you get to take advantage of it today while the person who has to get prepared doesn't get to take advantage of it until they get prepared and that opportunity might not even be there in the same way when they do get prepared. Right. So the variables are so vast and diverse. Um, it's amazing, you know. Um, but like I said, I've, I've lived it at every pinnacle you can live in, from the highest, you know, um, and to the lowest. Um, <laughs> and so, but God is still God. His grace is still powerful. And uh, I don't have to kowtow. Well, I mean, you can't be afraid of success, you can't be afraid of failure. Yeah. Uh, both of those things happen. But affirmation and encouragement, those things are good, necessary. Um, you may get them sometimes, sometimes you're not. It's the healthy manner in which you need them that makes the biggest determinant. I determined in my spirit years ago that I would learn how to encourage myself. Right. I would learn how to, at least in my family, and that would be through your mom your siblings and now your nieces and nephews and soon-to-be son, that through my family is where I would get my biggest encouragement. Right. You know, and then God sent many, many people into my life who are encouragers. And then we have an encouraging congregation. Um, Even when I went down to friendship, it was just as if that was family also. Right. You know, um, even for the small time we were out at the bowling alley, that became family also. I think a lot of that comes from just who you are. I've never been a part of any f-
0: crazy church foolishness. It's not who I am. Yeah, and it's it's not even just, you know, affirmation, because, like, oh, that stuff is good. But I kind of can't even, I <laughs> I can't even get into that because you go up there and you preach <laughs> and then everybody's, oh, man, that was a good word. You know, I can't even, like, I don't take, you know, I don't, but it's just like this, like okay, if I if I run a forty, right, and if I run a four four five, it's like okay, I run a four four five. I I know if like, if I now if, if I come back and I run a four three, that was a four three. It's no, it's it's not so. You know what I'm saying? It's not exactly the same.
1: I laugh because you said uh, your whole life was about football, and then I was like, I remember when my whole life was about football. Then I was like, man, that's 50 years ago. You ain't had no whole life about football. <laughs> my whole life has been about ministry because I've no, been in ministry 40 now, years
0: now. Now it's like, you know, no, I, was just, la- I was
1: just laughing thinking in my spirit when my whole life was about football uh, and how fast it left, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it left how fleeting, how fleeting it was. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, and again, you know, life is challenging you know we have to make adjustments and for an african-american male in this country you know he better have a playbook
0: he better have a playbook he
1: better have a playbook because at any moment that book can be closed no fault of his own absolutely
0: which is obviously um as we think about uh one of the you know the the more uh i want to i don't want to use the wrong word uh What's getting the most uh i don't want to say the wrong word attention yeah uh one of the most recent cases that's getting the most attention uh Ahmad arbery um a young man um and the video had come out and basically you know he was running and you know he was gunned down by you know um it's just another, another example. And, I, I, and I, I, I typically don't watch the videos, but for the reason I did watch the video and it's just, it's heartbreaking, you know, because, you know, a lot of people can do a lot of talking, but they don't know how it feels to wake up with this as their reality, to, to have to deal, it's like, um I don't know. It's almost like survive. You know, they they had the thing driving while black, you know, and they had the list jogging while black, all these other things while black become an issue. But it's like just surviving while black is basically become a thing. And 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 as I was thinking about it, it's like uh, sometimes and I, I've grown up in very diverse situations, so I, I've been fortunate in that in that, in that in that in that manner. But it's just like. uh there, there will be times when, you know, I don't think about certain stuff, as as far as race. Where it's like I'm not. If I go into a store, or if I go anywhere, that I'm not thinking about, well, what is this person thinking about me? But then some, then something may happen and it's reinforced in me. And and, and I'm like, wow. If I go here, it, it's like, you know, to be just to be a young black man, you know, it's it's kind of tricky to maneuver and to navigate. Never would I live in and fear, but there's really no place where I don't have to be on guard. It's like this, you don't have the luxury of relaxing, so to speak, because anywhere I go, I got to be wondering about, well, what is this person on? Oh, if I'm driving, what is the police on? What It's like everybody is potentially a threat, and that's unfortunate.
1: Right. Yeah, um, I shared with a Caucasian friend of mine one time, I said, when your children go out, what's your biggest fear? He said, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. They're pretty good drivers. They don't do drugs. I don't know. So my biggest fear is, is that when my children go out, they'll be confronted by a police officer and killed. He was like, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe I would say that, number one. I said, that's a reality that my father had, my grandfather had. And I have. Um, I pray every day for my sons. Um, I pray for all my children, but I pray every day for my sons. as black men in this country. Because it has been proven historically that black lives don't matter. Especially black men. Um, and it's reinforced. This case here um, is a precedent-setting case. Because stand your ground, um... Uh, citizens' arrest, all of these things are now being used for people who hate to get their hate off on people. All right? The homeowner would have never shot that kid if he was breaking in, according to the homeowner. Okay? Been all kind of little mischief things done. was no big thing to the homeowner. These two guys determined in their mind that they were going to rid their community of this person. They did not go out to stop him from hurting that house. They went out to kill him maliciously. It was premeditated murder. It was the highest form of murder that exists in our country. But we will now begin to vilify the young man, demonize him. Because once we make him less than human in this country, we've proven that once we make you less than human, we can lock children in cages We can deport parents while children stay at the border in cages. We can hang African-American men to the neck they're dead. We can rape and pillage their women. In this country, once you're demonized, then we can build laws so that Native Americans can become second-class, third-class citizens in their own country. And I know there are a lot of people who won't like me for saying these things, but until we can begin to have this discussion, we will never have change. Because it's real easy for good white people, good white people, good Christian white people to stay silent.
0: It's, it's, it's just crazy, even even that good Christian white people, it's like, you know <laughs> this whole you know pro-life conversation. We, we we we've spoken about it a bunch of times, but it's just like, you know, people are protesting and doing all these things and holding all these rallies and all these different things, talking about being pro-life. But whenever, but 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 life never seems to be valued after that point. All
1: right. See, uh, Dr. Carolyn Leaf and her work, um, who switched my brain on. Um, gives us some very powerful insights into Romans 12, and that is how our brains work. Um, When you literally created brain constructs so that your passions for life are solely tied to life in the womb, and I I know many of my friends, Caucasian, African-American, Hispanic, who are pro-life people, and their passion for that is so great it it, it literally will bring you to tears with them. Um, And and though I'm pro-life also, I'm pro-whatever I am, uh, um, I've never been able to abandon humanity, to abandon people. Um, I would fight for law enforcement people every day to go home safely. All right? And for people who are, Committing heinous criminal acts, who put themselves in harm's way, and that law enforcement person has to um, protect themselves or the community in which they're in. Unfortunately, that person—that's their lot. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about innocent people, unarmed children, unarmed uh, or armed civilians who are yeah. now acting in the place of I, law I, enforcement. I think.
0: I think this idea of. Of unarmed, like I, I get the point of it, but it's almost like, you know, because I literally—it's—it's a—it's a—it's a, it's something floating around on social media. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's literally a dude in subway with a rocket launcher, like, and I, I can only imagine what other armory. Yet he he's literally walking around with a rocket launcher. And we getting killed,
1: right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I mean the confrontations that occur within culture um, uh, are significantly different um, because of perception, one, fear, two, and or three. If you demonize, if you dehumanize, if you literally don't think that person has value then you can do things to them that are very different than somebody you think who has value. You know, um, I, I try to treat everyone as if they're my brother and my sister, which is why I give, I've worked over the years with law enforcement. We created Future Safe Surrender, one of the biggest reentry programs in the country still to this day, um, because I'm never going to be isolated. Um, we were preparing to do a, a civilian uh, academy here when the pandemic hit. It was supposed to be in March. Um, I believe in building bridges, but I'm never ne- going to be quiet toward the criticism that um, uh, sometimes we shoot too fast, all right? There's no such thing as a good shoot or a bad shoot. I, I think we put that issue in the wrong system, all right? Arbitrators, are not worth two cents. Why? Because they're always, <laughs> they're always brought back and they always get paid. So that system is flawed. It's failed. It's not working. Um, There has to be a system created in this country where we can look at officers who shoot people maliciously differently and have a set of charges that relates to that. Um, I don't think it can be the normal murder charges and things like that. And I'm not a lawyer. Never studied law. Don't intend to. But I just have been around long enough to say the arguments are all wrong. And there has been no justice now, in this case, we're not talking about law enforcement, right, so these boys should fry, okay they should get the death penalty it should be It should be deemed a hate crime, and it should be done at the highest level and they should they should face both federal and state charges, okay um because it's a totally different situation than 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 any than most of the shootings we're talking about. These guys went out and murdered this young man. I wouldn't care if he was in that house, uh, uh, taken. I don't know what was in there, whatever was in there. Okay. Um, they went out and murdered him. Okay. They murdered him. And that's the only thing they did. And so anyone who can look at this and not see murder again, doesn't value that young man's life. That's the, that's the bottom line. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't ever want to act like a lawyer. I don't have to follow law. I follow morality. Morally, what they did was heinous and wrong, and if what I'm hearing about the law is right, they ought to fry. And I don't believe in the death penalty, so I would have to argue that they don't fry. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't
1: know if I, if I <laughs> believe in death penalty. Right, another conversation. <laughs> it's time to go. The old block is tired, or something.